I don't know, but I will tell you this. I can forgive Wanda for killing some people. I can forgive her for taking an entire town hostage and causing people excruciating pain. But if she killed Sparky, that is a step too far. Well, it's good to know where your priorities lie. Damn right. One dog versus a town <laughs> full of people in perpetual suffering. Sparky was a good boy. Mm. He was an innocent. Oh, as opposed to everyone else in the town? Yes. Dogs are pure. That's my stand. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams Assemble. So, Amy, how is your brain? What brain? <laughs> yeah, I think I've lost it. This latest episode, I, I don't know how they're doing it. I don't understand. I don't know how they are accomplishing this. Accomplishing what? The layers and the mm-hmm. questions and the connections. And not only that, but so many people, the internet at large by this point had agreed that Evan Peters was going to show up at some point. Right. Nonetheless, he shows up, but they do it in a way that has everyone losing their minds because no one could have expected this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's the power of Marvel. That's it. That's the perfect example. It's insane. And Don't worry, everybody. We have plenty to say about Pietro, but that's mainly going to be at the end of the episode, obviously. We we may actually just need to start a second spinoff podcast just to deal with the final scene of this episode. (laughs) Or else we might be here for six hours. (laughs) You know, I think we need to we need to have a third podcast. Post WandaVision therapy show. Yes. Yes, where we all come together and build a class action lawsuit against Kevin Feige for pain and suffering. But then we all show up in court, <laughs> like in Marvel cosplay, and the judge is like, you can't do this because you clearly love it. So Dismissed. this doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> so we we can try to like invoice him the bills, I guess. That's the best we can all do. Well, it would certainly be a good way to meet him, for sure. <laughs> so this, I think it's safe to say, is going to be our longest episode. My notes certainly bear that out. But this was also the longest episode we've had thus far. Yes, by a few minutes, so which means several hours for us. Pretty much. One minute in Marvel time is like, at this point... 45 minutes in regular world time. (laughs) Yeah, there's just so much stuff. All right. So our brains really started hurting right off the bat here because we get another so helpful recap of last week's episode. Yeah. The one major change was that Wanda didn't tell Vision that Geraldine had to go home She instead said that Geraldine didn't belong here. Why? Why is there a disconnect? If we're ending up seeing both things anyway, who 
is doing this and why? And how many different takes are there? Are there other versions of this? Probably. Why? (laughs) You know, we are going on and on about how the different takes and how there's slight variations based on what we see versus sword sees versus what is happening inside the sitcom world. Imagine the actors in reality when they had to do all these scenes, how many different variations and scenes they had to do over and above the ones that were actually picked. That's a good point with them probably not knowing which ones were going to be chosen. Yeah, which ones were going to be chosen, which ones are going to show where and how and what, slight changes in dialogue, mannerisms, all sorts of things. Like so far we have seen the beekeeper scene, at least three different variations of those. Oh, and do I have things to say about the beekeeper today? Yes, you do. And we will get to it. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it must be crazy for these guys, don't you think? You know, it was probably crazier for Tiana Paris and Catherine Hahn. But I mean, Olsen and Bettany, they're used to being kept in the dark. Hmm. So it was probably easier for them in that regard. Probably, but they had to keep in mind that they needed to do different variations. And we don't know whether they knew why they were doing these variations. Well, you can say the same thing about, you know, Infinity War, Endgame. Nobody yeah, knew true. whether nobody knew whether they were dying till five minutes before they filmed it when Kevin Feige pulled them all into a van and said, here's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. But they find, found out five minutes before it was happening. We don't know what's happening over here. I don't think the actors themselves know what's happening, even after watching it. Very possibly. So this episode, the style of it, was very family ties. Mm-hmm. A little bit of growing pains mixed in there, but we get this opening theme music. I don't know if anybody remembers the show Wings as well as I do, because I'm 85 years old and grew up as a child on NBC sitcoms. But that opening theme music sounds a lot like the Wings theme. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. The whole set, though, the feel of it felt very TGIF. There, I felt a little step-by-step in there, too. Okay. Question for you. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is an easy binary question. Don't worry. Okay. Did you notice the aspect ratio? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. What about it? The aspect ratio changed from square four by three to 16 by nine. Uh-huh. Now, my question is, was that normal for the time? Or is that telling us this is getting into reality now? No and no. Uh, that's not either answer I was hoping for or that combination of answers. <laughs> no, it wasn't normal at that time. In the 80s, 4 by 3 was still the norm. Widescreen TVs and the 16 by 9 ratio was adopted more in the late 1990s, early 2000s. Okay. So this aspect ratio at this time in this period is certainly odd. But it does not reflect reality because reality is still 21 by 9, which is the movie ratio. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. The letterbox. Okay. Right. (sighs) All right. Let's move on or we'll be here all day. Yes. So we see the house. It's been, quote unquote, redecorated. Mm -hmm. 
I could not take my eyes off that stained glass on the front door. Yeah. Now, was that a normal thing in the 80s to have stained glass doors, panes, whatever you call them? I have no idea. I do not come from people who have stained glass money, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That shit ain't cheap. (laughs) But the form of it, it's a, a beautiful image on the door and it looks like a woman's form almost yeah it does and it wasn't there in any of the previous episodes this is specific to this one yeah because they have been changing everything in the set based on the era right i don't know whether in fact you would know if you saw a lot of stained glass in the other 80s shows that you used to watch any sitcoms um i'm more familiar with 90s sitcoms Honestly, late okay. 80s, then into the 90s. Okay. 80s sitcoms, those were a little before my time. Honestly, I don't know. But I can't look at that image and think it doesn't mean something. Okay. I have no idea what. That's the moral of today's lesson, everyone. I have no idea what. Well, the color scheme does resemble Wanda's costume. Yeah, there's some blue in there too, though. Yeah, true. I don't know. I mean, I didn't really think too much about that because there's just so much other stuff to think about so i I have no clue yeah yeah other stuff like why doesn't wanda's magic work on the babies see now i have a theory about that let's hear it probably the only theory of the episode so buckle up (laughs) i say that and 10 minutes later i'll be like charlie day in that meme probably okay so again inception theory within a theory within a theory Based on my past theories, we believe that Wanda is not 100% in control over here. Mephisto is probably the guy behind the scenes. And we know from the comics that we know from the comics that Wanda's children have Mephisto's pieces or fragments of his soul. So it would make sense for her kids to not be under her control because it's Mephisto's influence there. And similarly, when it comes to vision, she doesn't have the power to bring someone back to life. And that's something that they discuss in the episode itself. Mm -hmm. And assuming that Mephisto is the guy behind everything who is powering everything while she is guiding stuff, because again, they've discussed within the episode that Wanda has never had the kind of power she's exhibiting right now. Yes. So... Vision, again, has been brought back to life thanks to Mephisto. For all we know, another fragment of his soul is in Vision. I agree with you 95% because I'm not sure about part of him being in Vision. I have some other questions there that we'll get to. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. But irrespective of whether he has a fragment of his soul or not, it is pretty clear that Wanda cannot control Vision either. Mm Mm-hmm. Not fully, at least. There's something within him that has the power to push through it. Yes. So, yeah, that's my theory. Mephisto, Mephisto, Mephisto. And again with these layers, because, you know, she looks at the kids and says, why won't you do what I want? It's so funny because every (laughs) mother has said that to her child, you know? So, Yeah. yeah, just layers on top of layers here. And one thing I noticed and I was wondering about was that when they're trying to pacify the kids and make them fall asleep, 
Vision says that he read the kids The Descent of Man and Selection in Relation to Sex by Charles Darwin. What? You don't think that's a fun bedtime story for a kid? (laughs) Sure, if you're me, yeah, but maybe not. Now, keeping aside the fact that it is a odd choice for kids, but, you know, makes sense. They don't know anything right now. If you read something, just the voice could be soothing. In this case, it wasn't. The idea of him reading this book itself is very interesting because we all know Charles Darwin and his theory of evolution. And this book specifically talks about how women are predominantly the deciders in choosing who they mate with and how lineage goes and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. We know that these kids are not born in a normal way, should we say? Mm -hmm. Traditional, yeah. Yes. And the fact that Vision is this android, is this another hint at him wondering what is going on? That is why he's reading such a book? Yeah. To figure out where he comes from? I think you're right. I think it's absolutely deliberate. But what you said there about the like maternal lineage, I think that's reinforcing the fact that these are not Vision's children. These are Wanda's children. Yes, 100%. Yes. But they're not his. No. no. So it's her that matters in this. True. Uh, For the record, I would love to have Paul Bettany read me a bedtime story. I would make his voice by GPS if I could, although that might lull me to sleep (laughs) while I'm driving, so that could be problematic. (laughs) They should get him for the Calm app. They could get me for the Calm app, too. Apparently, I have that effect on people. (laughs) I've been told that when I speak, people fall asleep. (laughs) And uh, we also need to celebrate the introduction of uh, two new characters. I'm not talking about Billy and Tommy. I am talking about the hair of Elizabeth Olsen and Catherine Hahn. (laughs) I picture someone backstage like getting them all ready, just, you get a perm, and you get a perm. Just perms for everyone. Yeah, over and above the perms, it's all the back combing that they've done. Ouch. Yeah, that shit hurts, I can tell you from experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. I will never forgive the man who teased my bangs for my uncle's wedding. (laughs) And again... The wardrobe is just spot on without being overdone. It's perfect. And Catherine Hahn, she looks fantastic. She looks amazing in that jazzercise outfit. Yeah, my jaw was on the floor. All right, now let's talk about Agnes here because we've got a lot to unpack. Yeah, we do. We've got stuff as big as her gym bag was. Why doesn't Vision want her near those babies? That I can understand. Generally, new parents tend to be extremely overprotective. And I have seen this myself where people didn't want anyone else to touch their children. Sure. He's being overprotective. I get that. Okay. We're going to come back to this because there's a part two here. I think there's a deeper reason for Vision not wanting her to help with the babies. Okay. So we've had characters break a couple times before but nothing quite like this no this was i am aware i am breaking 
Yes. This is, I'm an actor asking the director if she wants me to take it from the top and maybe change the line here. That's right. Because Agnes just stops dead completely. And we see her become a different person in that moment. Yeah. Her face falls. Yeah. I don't know if she in that moment becomes the Westview resident she actually is or someone else entirely. True. Yeah. And here's the thing. So far, the people that we have seen who have broken weren't aware that they were in this situation. And that's, again, something that we see later on with Norm. Right. The other thing is Agnes isn't scared of Wanda in this moment. No, she isn't. She's just genuinely asking for direction. Yeah. And this also tells you they've done this before. Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that we haven't seen because it's been edited out. So why doesn't Wanda know? Why is Wanda not aware of this history, of the fact that they've been through this before? It's almost like a Groundhog Day type of thing. I think she is becoming more aware, more conscious of what she is doing, as opposed to what, what it was before, which was more unconscious. Like at the end of the episode, she does say that, I don't know how all this started. Right. So Agnes goes right back to sitcom mode, acts like nothing happened. Wanda's perfectly mm -hmm. happy to just go along with that. But Vision's like, uh, record scratch, hold up. Yep. He clearly saw what just happened, doesn't understand, and Wanda's just in total denial about it. I don't know if she's in denial or if she's just trying to pretend with Vision because she doesn't want to break the illusion or make him question anything too much. <sighs> yeah, it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Now, here's part two of my why doesn't Vision want Agnes near those babies. What's she spraying on those kids? Well, she said lavender. She said lavender. There's a part three to this <laughs> that we shall get to <laughs> in just a few moments. <laughs> so while she's doing some lunges there on the cribs, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Now, about that, did you notice that while Wanda and Vision are having this conversation, the cuts between that and Agnes and what she's doing, her let's call them shenanigans, they're very abrupt cuts. They're very sitcom-y. As if there's something in between that we're missing? Yes. Mm. While Wanda and Vision are having this conversation, in a matter of seconds, Agnes is putting the spray and within a couple of seconds, she's looking for liquor. It's not possible for her to move that fast. Yeah, and she mentions the elusive Ralph again. Mm-hmm. So just putting it out there, still haven't seen Ralph. And now we still have no further mention of Jimmy Woo's witness. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Well, for sure, if we see the informant, Jimmy Woo would certainly be very worked up about it. True. That's true. Now about this looking for liquor and how mm -hmm. it was for the babies. You don't know what she was going to do with it, do you? No. Okay, so back in the day, <laughs> it was a common thing where, oh, put a little whiskey on their gums, won't harm anybody. It's fine, it puts oh, them to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know about this in a different variation. Yeah, Okay. that's fair. So that's what she was planning to do there. Now, here's my question. She says, mm -hmm. oh, I'm looking for your dark liquor. I'm just going to go check in there. Where? What's she looking for? I, I was getting the vibe that she was 
looking for something in this house. Okay. Like what? That's where my plan is. That's where my plan always is. (laughs) I don't provide answers. You just love leaving things hanging, do you? Well, no, because I promised a part three to my little non-theory theory here because I don't provide a theory. I just ask questions about it. (laughs) So what's your part three? So we get our first holy shit of the episode when the twins suddenly age up to five years old. And no, (laughs) didn't see that coming. No, absolutely. We had to do it once. We had to. We'll (laughs) probably do it again. (laughs) So, okay. We're going to see the boys later age up again. And that time they're going to be doing it consciously because they want to be 10 so they can have the dog. Oh, we'll get there. But as infants, they wouldn't have the mental awareness or capacity to voluntarily age up. And for what reason? Like what prompts it? That's what I'm thinking Agnes comes in with that damn spray. Whatever she spray on them caused them to age up. I'm not saying she's necessarily super nefarious, a major villain, but I just don't trust her. Okay. It's possible. At this point, anything is possible. And I also can't help but notice there's still a ton of fruit in this house. Yes, that is an old trope like, (laughs) oh, good bombs have fresh fruit in the house. Yeah, but we never see anybody eating. And there's so much goddamn fruit. They're piled high with apples and oranges in this house. Yeah, well, we're watching a sitcom edited version of stuff. So Wanda isn't showing us the boring stuff like she's eating and Vision is just staring at her because he does not eat. Yeah, but I'm saying we got all this friggin' fruit in the house. At first, because they're babies, we got so much fruit in the house for two infants who don't eat solid food and a tiny woman. What do we need all this food for? (laughs) What are we doing here? I'm not going to dignify that with any kind of answer or theory because there's just too much other stuff. Speaking of. Oh, dear. Once the boys age up to five years old, and we got to say these kids are adorable. Yes, they are. These opening titles I am obsessed with. I almost teared up. I'm not even kidding. Really? They were so sweet. I loved it. The theme song was great. They seemed like a real family. Yeah, they did. They did. It was just lovely. And yeah, the even though it was the 90s, whatever, I think it actually, I think Full House started in like 89. But yeah, the picnic. Yeah, it definitely reminded me a lot of Full House. And the childhood pictures. Mm -hmm. Those were definitely real baby pictures of Paul Bettany. Yeah, absolutely. Photoshop. Can you imagine him watching this show, tucked up at home in Brooklyn, buried under snow right now, and him just busting out laughing? That's what they wanted those pictures for. (laughs) Yeah, I must say they did a fantastic job with the photoshopping of it. Kind of uncanny valley, a little bit creepy. That was the point. (laughs) He's an android. I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. (laughs) I really wish they would have gone with with like a progression from like the abacus to those large computers, (laughs) you know, something like that. (laughs) Well, you know, I loved Elizabeth Olsen's pictures, too, because, you know, of course, her connection with her family, her sisters can't be denied. It has to be Mm -hmm. mentioned. There are times and you and I have talked about this between each other. There are times when she just resembles her sisters and there are times she looks just like them. Yep, true. It depends on like what expression she's making at the time. 
Yeah, and the angle and the light, there, there are different aspects to it. Yes, definitely. And I got to ask one more time, going to ask it again, I'm sure. How are these titles happening? When is this taking place? Because these boys have been five years old for two and a half minutes. <laughs> and we go back to like the same day. Like, what, what is happening? Yeah, it's, it feels like this is something that Wanda would fill in. I just don't because know. She is creating the sitcom world. It makes sense to have the the titles and the ads and all of that. And also, uh, later on in the episode, we will come to a point where there is a slight delay and discrepancy between what is happening, what we saw happen in Westview, and what everyone is seeing outside at Sword. Right. We do see the titles coming up over there in the background while the whole conversation is happening and sword about Wanda and all of that we see in the background the titles are coming on the scenes are going on and later on when we have the whole drone situation happening and Wanda comes out of Westview just before we leave and see everything outside on the TVs within sword we see that it goes into please stand by yeah so even though she so she does have this stuff kind of ready kept for when things are not going her way and she needs to edit. I'm still not convinced Wanda's doing all the editing herself. Yeah, I mean, it may not be 100% her. It could be someone else, something else. Maybe she has an editor sitting, hiding, you know, maybe Ralph is the editor who's sitting behind a desk editing everything. Could be. That could very well be. So I think they do a great job of intercutting on this episode between mm. Westview and outside the Hex. That's what I'm calling it. I'm on the Darcy bandwagon. We're calling it the Hex. <laughs> I think everyone is. Yes, Jimmy. Yes, they are. Don't give me that look. <laughs> At the same time, I also was extremely frustrated with everything going on outside the Hex. Yeah, me too. Director Hayward needs to shut the fuck up. Oh, we'll get to him. But first, we need to spend a little time with Monica. Yes. Monica, who's not given us anything to work with here. See, that's why I said we need one episode just with her talking. Yeah. But I knew they'd never give us that. All right. So you felt pain. You felt mind control. But what the fuck were you doing in there? What about the whole herb thing? You had to have talked to somebody. What were you doing when you were <laughs> off camera? Hmm. See, I said it's the only theory, but no. What you got? I think everyone is in a fugue state till they're needed. That's a question I had for the end. But yeah, we can we okay. can we can go there now. But fugue state, okay. But how much control do they have? People still need to sleep, eat, go to the bathroom, you know? Yeah, that's the thing that Wanda says that she's not controlling everyone. So people who have played The Sims. I know you haven't. It's a game. Excuse me. Yes, I have played The Sims. Thank you very much. Oh, you have. That's fantastic. Okay. Yes, I have. For a brief, I want to say for a brief period, possibly in 2003, maybe. Fair enough. <laughs> the concept is still the same. Good enough. I'm proud of you, by the way. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. My indignation is nonsense. She was absolutely right to doubt me on that. <laughs> Just like you assume I haven't seen any movie or show that you speak of, 
I assume uh, whenever I speak of a game or you haven't played it. That's fair. So for those who haven't played The Sims, The Sims is a game where you're kind of simulating life. You create a character and you go into this town and you do the mundane shit that you do. Cook, clean, eat, sleep, go to work, all that sort of stuff. Now, here's the thing. When you are not actively controlling what your sim is doing, they kind of go on autopilot and do whatever needs to be done. Like if their bladder is very full, they will go and pee despite the fact that you want them to go do something else or they just pee themselves. I literally never realized until this moment that sim was short for simulation. (laughs) And this is why she assumes the thing she does, people, because I'm an idiot. Yes, yes, the sims is the simulation. So it's possible that while Wanda isn't directly controlling someone, like we control the Sims, they're on autopilot doing what they need to do. Okay, I can buy that. Hold on. Westview is the MCU Sims game. You say this to me now. It just popped into my head. Now. What's wrong with now? Do you know how long it's going to take me to unpack that shit in my mind? (laughs) You couldn't have come up with this yesterday. It literally just popped into my head. I've told you, stuff pops into my head while we're discussing stuff. We're going to have to just leave that one where it is. Everybody, you go ahead and and put those clothes away yourself, okay? We might just end up having a follow-up podcast to this episode. Dissecting the episode within the episode. Let's put that in a box for now. (laughs) and sit on it Mm -hmm. so monica tells us like she felt wanda's grief it was very painful when we hear monica's voiceover about what she felt the pain and she heard wanda's voice we see glimpses of her mom's picture and her loss that got me thinking in the previous episode we kept wondering what was it about monica that pulled her in what was special about her could it be the fact that she herself was in pain and Wanda felt that and that's why she brought her in that's a really good point and she's gonna make that same point with Wanda later when she says something in you knew I was an ally something about me now I wonder was it that shared connection of raw grief possible that could maybe also explain depending on what happened in there why Monica is so hell-bent on getting back in Possible. It could be her way of not wanting to deal with her life, dealing with some different type of reality, not being in control. Yes. Yes, that could definitely be. So Jimmy and Darcy come in and even the greatest of us get starstruck people. And Darcy can't quite contain her exuberance meeting one of her heroes, Monica Rambo. (laughs) Big fan. Yeah. Now, here's my question to you. When... Darcy said that she's a big fan. Was she a fan of Monica Rambeau, the kick-ass captain, or was she a fan of Geraldine? So let's look at the numbers here. Monica got snapped in 2018. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen Darcy since 2013. In MCU time, that's now 10 years. Right. We know that Darcy got her doctorate somewhere in there, but in 2013, she was still Jane's intern. Correct. And she was... A political science major. So she changed her majors and 
then went on and got a doctorate. And a doctorate takes a fair amount of time. So right. that kind that timeline makes sense. So we based on that itself, we're assuming that she absolutely was not snapped. And you make a really good point that, yeah, it kind of has to be Geraldine, actually, because why would Darcy know her as anything else? It's not like everything Monica's done is going to be in the newspapers for her to read about. Correct. And <sighs> Monica's work has primarily been off-world. Yeah. Yeah, we need to know a lot more about that. Yep. We need a spinoff. I think we do. So Darcy, you know, gives Monica some clothes because pants are encouraged in meetings. <laughs> so let's talk about what's going on with Monica's imaging results here. Mm -hmm. Something's weird's going on with the blood too. We just don't know what. Yes. So her imaging comes back essentially blank. We see her hair, but nothing else. We see the negative of her hair. Okay. So just looking at the thing that they had over her head, it looked like an x-ray machine. Now, from the comics, we know that Monica Rambeau, a.k.a. Photon, a.k.a. Pulsar, and a.k.a. Spectrum. Yes. All one and the same person. One of her special abilities are absorbing energy. X-ray energy works in a way where the rays go through your body and and it's blocked by denser material, which is our bones. In the x-ray that we see for Monica, it's all white. It's all dense. So either she is made of lead or her body is absorbing those x-rays, which is why they're not getting a visual. Yeah, I think it's definitely safe to say that Monica has powers of some kind. The question is... Yes. Does she know it yet? I don't know. If she does or she doesn't, she is seeming a bit cagey about it. She like is. She didn't want to give more blood. Yeah. And, you know, you can chalk that up to she's just been through a traumatic event. She doesn't feel like being poked and prodded and just mm -hmm. wants to move on and deal with the problem. I'm not the issue here. Let me get back to work. Common trope. Right. You can chalk yep. it up to that. Or it can be that she had these powers and knew about them before she went into Westview or something happened within Westview that she's hiding and she knows. Or it's a combination of her off-world work, which we don't nothing about, her being snapped and then going into Westview and being yeeted with large amount of magic thanks to Wanda. It could be a combination of these things that have created her powers. It could be. Or, just thought of this, what if it was the connection of the grief, yes, that made Wanda see something in her, but what if it was also the fact that she already had powers? Wanda sensed in another kindred spirit. Possibly. Or it could be the person behind the scenes who pulled her in without Wanda realizing it because they felt like another powered individual within this bubble might create more stuff happening. God, the worms are all over the floor. What have we done? <laughs> oh, that went to places I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Another question for you. Could it be that the reason she has her powers is the reason why she came out of that powerful blast of being thrown out 
relatively unharmed. Yeah, you know, we did forget to mention that because so much else happened in the episode. She should have some broken bones at bare minimum. Yeah, if nothing else, she should have a very, very bruised tailbone. Yeah. And I mean, she went through fences. Yep. Not only fences, but proper walls. Yeah. We could chalk that up to typical movie and TV tropes where people get the shit beat out of them and just walk away from it. Even within the the MCU, Mm -hmm. how many times have we seen somebody go through glass completely unscathed? (laughs) Yeah. Look, look at you, Steve Rogers. Um, (laughs) And you, and you, Clint Barton. I think the addition of the powers makes it a little more suspect. Yeah. Maybe they're dormant. Maybe this impact is what brought it out. Could be. Could be. Hmm. Because chances are, before she was reinstated, she may have needed to have gone through some tests. And if every if there was any kind of anomaly, they wouldn't have let her go out in the field in the first place. Unless Hayward wanted her here. Unless Hayward is the one covering something up. Because I do not trust this fucker. <laughs> and neither does Monica. By the end yeah, of the episode. That's true. That is one thing we are sure about. Yes, I don't know. The only thing. I don't know exactly who he is, but he is not who he appears to be. And we'll get to why. Yep. Yep. So Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy, who I'm now just going to call the three musketeers, <laughs> head out onto the sword floor and... Hayward is making his big grandiose pitch here, believing, trying to convince everybody that Wanda is fully evil. And man, does he harp on that nickname. Yeah. What's the deal with that? Yeah. Is that the writers winking at us saying, (laughs) yeah, she's going to become the Scarlet Witch, you know, kind of getting there. Or does he have some other agenda? I don't know. Because, yeah, everybody else does have a nickname, code name or whatever. And I guess that's his juvenile way of saying they never made her a real member of the team because they didn't give her a funny nickname. Like, Yeah, that is possible. It makes sense. It's just like his way of trying to build a case. Yes. So Jimmy comes in trying to give a more balanced, accurate image here. You can... One might say that Hayward basically here is Fox News and Jimmy Woo is CNN. (laughs) That was how I looked at it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And what Jimmy's saying is true. Like, yeah, she was young and misinformed, you know, when she started out with Pietro, but she did the right thing. She, you know, came to become an Avenger herself. Correct. And Hayward doesn't want to hear any of this. Yeah, he just wants to label her a terrorist and do what he wants to do. He wants to go guns blazing. Yeah, uh, can we talk about that word for a second, terrorist? Okay. Because Darcy and Jimmy are quietly talking, and she's clearly saying Hayward is a dick, because you hear the D, and this is Darcy, so we know she's going to use the word dick. Mm -hmm. Instead, we get the word cut off by him, terrorist. Is this the writers telling us Hayward is the terrorist? Any other show, I would have said no, they cut that just because they didn't, because they wanted to censor. Uh-huh. 
I still feel like that could be a possibility. Really? You think the show that just killed, that just killed a cute little dog cares about censoring the word dick? Yes, it is PG-13. They killed Sparky. Nothing's off the table anymore. When is your next therapy appointment again? (laughs) Now, I think it's important to note here that Hayward's the one who brings up Lagos before we get the Lagos commercial. Correct. Uh But again, he is building his case. So. But my my question is, what's the connection there? Is there one? The connection between the ad and Hayward? Yes. Between the fact that he brings up Lagos and then we get a commercial about Lagos. Okay, we will get to the commercial at a later stage because I have some thoughts over that. Mm -hmm. But in this particular situation, he's building a case and this is what happened. Lagos was... I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. But my question is, does that somehow influence the commercial we get? I don't think so because it's going in a relatively chronological order, the advertisements. We will get that. Monica says something interesting here. Mm -hmm. And again, it's frustrating because we have no idea what Monica did inside Westview. But she's convinced that Wanda threw her out to protect her. No, she threw her out, but she protected her while throwing her out. Okay, I I took that a different way. Okay. And I think it's also interesting that it could have been a lot worse but Wanda put up her own quarantine. Right. How does she know this? Yeah, so this is the thing. With Monica's powers, what we assume that she does have some powers, is it possible that maybe it wasn't just a one-way connection from Wanda to Monica? What if Monica was able to glean something that was in Wanda's mind or... The reason why Agnes and Herb were so suspicious of her was because Monica, while she was still under the influence, still had a certain amount of autonomy and was doing her own research. I think that's more likely because there's nothing in her history that says she has any telepathic ability. So, yeah, I think she was wandering around on her own trying to get to the bottom of things. But... What if Wanda subconsciously let Monica in? It's possible. Hmm. Maybe that's why she knows that Wanda was the one who put up the wall. What if Wanda didn't put up the wall? Can we trust any of Monica's recollections? Because we don't know what the deal is with her powers, because we don't know what she did in there, can we trust that her recollections are accurate? Because, too, we're seeing different things. Did Geraldine see the same stuff we saw? Can we trust her? Not because she's nefarious, not at all, but because she literally saw different stuff, saw more stuff than we did. Like Mm -hmm. you said, we need to sit that woman down in a chair, get some duct tape and say, fucking spill it. (laughs) That's a good point. And question is, supposing she did her own research and ask people stuff how would they know that Wanda was the one who put up the wall yeah yeah but that being said it would make sense for Agnes and Herb to be suspicious of her because she was asking so many questions this is true 
And that's another reason I'm like, where the hell is Herb? Because Herb seemed to have the same level of awareness as Agnes. So what the hell's special about him? Yeah. Uh, it's too and, much. And then that brings up the question of, assuming Monica was asking questions, Agnes and Herb were suspicious of her, why would they go and tell Vision about it? They're essentially ratting on Monica. Wouldn't they want Monica to help them to get out, to stop this whole thing? That's very true. Very true. And I think at this point, Monica, if she didn't have those powers, she'd probably be dead. Because, you know, people, for those of you who are like me and are insane and have watched press tours of Marvel movies a million times, as Paul Bettany has said countless times, enough to annoy his co-stars, snitches end up in ditches. <laughs> yeah lots of questions so then hayward shows this video he's got and he says he just got approval to show this um he's the director of sword who's he getting approval from that's a good question but also he's the acting director he might have people who are overseeing him because clearly there are people who appoint the director I guess. It's kind of like CEO and board of directors, you know? Yeah. The yeah. CEO still is accountable to the board of directors. True. So in this video, we see Wanda storming into S.W.O.R.D. headquarters and stealing Vision's corpse. Right. Now, Vision's corpse is completely dissected. Yeah, kind of gross. Just the thought of it. Okay, it's a machine. Still, it's he's still vision, though. So it's tough to think about because he's still very human to us. True. So this contradicts what Hayward was saying, because he said that vision had a living will, that he didn't want to be used as a weapon. I also think the fact that vision had a will is the funniest fucking thing in the world. Well, it makes sense. In Infinity War, he knew that Thanos was coming for the Mind Stone. I, I kind of want to see the will. Like, I want to see what <laughs> possessions he possibly had to bequeath to someone. Like, did he leave his paprikash recipe? Did he just have a box that had a picture of Wanda and his recipe for shitty paprikash? Is, is that all it was? Was there more? I think more than that, it was his own body. He knew he was one of a kind. Yeah, but what makes him think they'd give a shit about what he wanted? They treated him like he was human for all intents and purposes. And this was his one way, like the only way he could stop people was by telling them that don't make me a weapon. Beyond that, he can't control them. But that's my point. Or stop them. Do you think someone nefarious or government contractors would care? Oh, this android said don't use him as a weapon. What the fuck does that matter? Tony Stark could have stepped in. Well, here's the, my question then. Vision died in 2018. It is now mm -hmm. 2023. Why was he just being dissected? You walked right into it. How did I walk right What did I walk right into? Damn it. Why is he just being... Say it oh, again. Oh, wait. I get it. You think he's just being dissected now because Tony's dead. Yes. And Tony was protecting him this entire time. Exactly. Aha. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm happy to walk right into that one. <laughs> I was caught comfortably. I didn't fall off a cliff. 
Mm-hmm. Now, how the hell did Wanda know where the body was? That's a good question. Or that the body even still existed. There is no way she pulled this off by herself. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agreed. Somebody sent her there like a human bullet. True. Question is who? Yeah. Someone absolutely convinced her to do their dirty work for them. Wouldn't it be something if maybe this is more about Vision than it is about Wanda? I think so. And I think that is the reason why Director Hayward is being so gung-ho about about Wanda being a terrorist. Hmm. So far, based on the information we have, S.W.O.R.D. just recently may have acquired Vision's body and they were dissecting it. And essentially, it's safe to assume that they were trying to reverse engineer his body. Now, Director Hayward had already told Monica that since the snap, they had no more manned missions, but they're still sending things out. They may have wanted to have vision clones, if not the AI, but at least the physicality of him to send out. Okay, I could see that. So the reason why he would want to contain Wanda as soon as possible would be to get access to Vision's body again. And another possibility could be because she's violated the Sokovia Accords and all of that. And we've seen that those who violate the Sokovia Accords get imprisoned. He would want to imprison her and make her control all these cloned visions. Could be. So they can have their unmanned manned missions. And, you know, thinking more about Vision and Tony's relationship too, it adds to your theory because Tony would never have wanted Vision to be used in this way, never dissected. He also would not have been able to bring himself to destroy him either. True. Hmm. The Godfather reigns. (laughs) So I also don't think Wanda is the one who reanimated Vision. Yeah, I don't think so too. But we are assuming, because everyone is assuming that Wanda is the one in control, it's safe to assume that Director Hayward may assume that she was the one who brought him back to life. And again, also, he may want to know how she did that and do that with the other clones, if they have any. Could be. Yep. I think it's as simple as Wanda made a deal with the devil and didn't read the fine print. True. Yeah, I think so. And this is the point, really, where. Whatever history Monica had with Hayward, because you could see they were friendly with each other in the last episode. There was a history there. All that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. He's pulling rank on her and she's pissed off. Yeah. So then we leave that tension and we head back inside sitcom world. Which is no less tense. Yeah. I absolutely love this line. Jeez Louise, did you have to learn to walk? (laughs) So even though they've only been five for a few minutes at this point wanda knows that two five-year-old boys who are quiet are up to something yep yep absolutely and they are hiding a dog when we first see this dog i gotta tell you for just a second i was like oh god they they won't but then i thought no they wouldn't do that and then they did that What is this? Is this WandaVision or Bambi? You're killing me, people. Or Old Yeller, pick one. Yeah, that's that kind of throws the excuse out of the window of it's Disney. They can't do anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. here's what we should really be focusing on here. 
We're just going to call him Sparky because that is the name they will give him. Where did Sparky come right. from? Yeah. And again, this is following the trend of different animal every episode. Uh-huh. How did the boys find him? Mm-hmm. And why? This dog was put here for a reason. Why? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it actually, you and I, I had mentioned this to you off air at some point within the right. last two weeks. I said, Aim, we haven't seen any cats or dogs in the show, and we should. Correct. And we don't hear any birds. No. It's very silent in that way. It's very environmentally silent. Correct. Almost like a studio. Uh-huh. And then we have another interesting moment here where the boys are still, you know, at the sink and dad comes down. But it's Paul Bettany, not Vision. Yes. He has his his skin face on. His skin face, yes. <laughs> and when Wanda asks him why, he says... I had a hunch someone might pop over. You know, this actually took me a moment when I watched it for the first time. When she said, why so formal? I looked at his clothes and I was like, but he is not wearing anything formal. Uh-huh. And then on the second wash through, I was like, oh, okay, the skin face. Yeah. So is this just a sitcom joke where, the, you know, the husband is sometimes put upon by the nosy neighbor, the wife's friend? Mm-hmm. And they never lock their doors, of course, so everyone just comes in all the time, which that would not fly in my world ever. (laughs) I jump when my own husband comes in the house by unlocking the door with his keys. Babe, you have told me multiple times that you jump when I call you. This is true. From across the ocean. Yes. Accurate. Uh, Or is Vision aware of even more than he realizes? Maybe. Does he literally know Agnes is going to come over? And why does he know? Because he's figured out how Wanda's puppeteering all this? Or for some other reason? I don't know. It could be a reaction to his previous scene where Agnes just showed up and he had to fluff the pillow with his face. (laughs) Yes, that's true. That's true. But then like any suburban dad, he picks up the newspaper, takes a look at it. And we see that big headline about recipes, but it's the one all the way at the top that really caught my attention. Yeah, I think this is where your big ass TV comes into play because I couldn't see it. (laughs) So it says more dramatic details about the lights in the sky around Westview. Hmm. Where is this newspaper coming from? Who's created it? Why was it given to Vision? He doesn't comment on the lights in the sky around Westview, but it's there. Who is this for? Right. And the ad at the back is 80s appropriate. Uh Uh-huh. So it's definitely not something from the outside world that has come in Mm -hmm. because it would have assimilated in a different way. And that headline would not have shown up. Mm -hmm. So as Vision predicted, Agnes drops right in and miraculously because she saw out her kitchen window she brings a doghouse (laughs) yeah but no this is clearly an instance of wanda or somebody controlling her because this is what they need in the moment yes absolutely it is very heavily implied that wanda essentially called her yes and that's what i'm wondering has vision figured that out I think he has at this point, or he's, he was close to, and that confirmed it for him. Now, I have a question for you about Agnes. Okay. 
First off, since every episode that we've seen her, she has that brooch in different forms, but she is always wearing that brooch. The only time we don't see the brooch is when she's in her jazzercise costume, but there, but it's converted into earrings. Mm-hmm. What does that brooch mean? I haven't the faintest idea. Is that what is keeping her aware? Do we see anything like that on Herb? Maybe a watch? No. Nothing? No. Could it be? Not a, that I'm aware of. Could it be something like with Inception, where it's a different totem for each person? Possible. For Herb, it could be his hair. Because in the real world, when we see his driver's ID, he's bald. Very true. But it was also the style in the 70s for him to have an afro, you know? Yeah, possible. But the guy was bald. So any era, bald is bald. All right. So they put Sparky down for a minute. And the first thing he does is run over to the electrical outlet and start licking it. Yes. That's where he gets his name from. Indeed. All right. Now, hang on. This is really happening. Okay. Everybody, you hear this noise right now? All right. This is actual tinfoil that I brought from my kitchen downstairs. All right. (laughs) Pulling this out. All right. And I am, I'm folding this up. Here we go. And I am now, this is literally on top of my head like a pilgrim hat. Okay. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to (laughs) our new section in the podcast, ASMR by the Madams. (laughs) Okay. So we're just going to say it as we've said already. Sparky will no longer be with us by the end of this episode. Yes. That tinfoil hat will also be doubling for Madam Chris's tears. <laughs> Bold for her tears. Okay. So the first thing he does is go lick the electrical outlet. And later on, right. we're going to see that the alleged reason that Sparky dies is because he ate a bunch of azalea leaves. And yes, uh, azalea bushes are poisonous to dogs. Okay. So there are a few possibilities as to what actually caused Sparky's demise. But I have to point this out. All right, let me me make sure my hat's fastened on here properly. All right. So there was a sitcom that was on in the 90s that some of you may remember. It was called Spin City. It was a great show, but then like so many things in this world was ruined by Charlie Sheen. Anyway, (laughs) there was a character on that show named Carter Haywood, played by Michael Boatman. And he had a dog named Rax. It was a little pug. And there was a running joke on the show that because Rax was old and sick, that at various times he kept trying to kill himself. (laughs) Okay? And one of the ways he did that was by licking an electrical socket. Now, I have to point out, the star of Spin City was none other than Michael J. Fox, who played Alex P. Keaton on Family Ties, on which this episode is based. Your Honor. I rest my case. I think I may have thought of another wrinkle. Is that a pug joke? What was the name of the character again? Which character? The character whose dog was old and sick. Oh my God. His last name was Haywood. There we go. Which sounds a lot like Hayward, doesn't it? Yep. I think I need to make you your own cap too. Because <laughs> you weren't supposed to encourage that. <laughs> You were supposed to be the voice of reason and tell me I was reaching, not egg me on further and make me dive deeper into this delusion. 
I think that point has passed. <laughs> I count on you for these things. Yeah, for this show, unfortunately, I've lost it. Oh, God, wait, his name was Carter Haywood. Carter. Peggy Carter. Kill me. <laughs> Please. Please kill me. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> you need a double session next week. <laughs> so Wanda just conjures up a collar for this pooch and Vision's freaking out like Agnes is standing right there. What are you doing? Yeah. And Agnes does not react to it in any way. Mm-mm. Nor did she react to the boys magically becoming five. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. As I was saying earlier about Agnes, I had questions. One was about the brooch. Secondly, as you pointed out earlier, she did not comment on the fact that the kids were suddenly five years old and this magic. So clearly she's aware of Wanda and all of the magic and she's playing along. Thirdly, when the kids have turned five, she's sitting on that counter drinking her alcohol. Did you notice that she was again out of character? I don't know if she was. It's very hard to tell. Yeah, in this episode, she's been very iffy about being in or out of character. Yeah. Aside from that very specific break where she asks Wanda what, whether she should take it from the top, besides that, everywhere else, she seems a bit iffy of whether she's in character or not. Yeah. And now Vision says to Wanda here, while Agnes is over with the boys, Wanda. We are usually so much of the same mind. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting choice of words, isn't it? True. Yes. And said in a very specific way. Does this mean that they've been sharing a consciousness that that's how she's been controlling him? Is this reinforcing that fact? But now he's breaking free from it and that's why he's questioning everything. But it's they're doing it under the facade of couples not being on the same page it could be or it could be another theory that i have towards the end of the episode during their argument he says he doesn't remember anything before westview mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. what if this is his way of this was his way of filling in the blanks like they were always a very happy couple they were always on the same page of the same mind and now once they've come to westview things are seeming different because I went back and briefly went through the first episode today and I realized that he's been questioning stuff right from the first episode. Mm -hmm. Earlier, it was like a joke about what do we do exactly over here Mm -hmm. in terms of his, his place of work. Right. But he has been, this has been a gradual process for him. He's been suspicious from day one. Yes. It makes you wonder how long they've been in Westview, not in our time, not in the timeline we think we've pieced together, but like in Westview time, because clearly time is not working the same way. Yeah, no, it isn't, because clearly we see that later on in the episode, it's daylight within Westview, but when when Wanda comes out, it's nighttime. Always. Yes. So it could be that. It could be a sitcom-y thing. It could be a specific... I don't know. I don't know. Does Vision not want them to have the dog because they're too young, which would be totally valid. Right. Or does he know something else? 
or is it just another sitcom trope where the kids wanted they managed to melt the mom's heart and now dad is being the hard ass could be that's generally a very common thing even in real life sure sure and i'm i'm on board with vision here you, you know it's a huge responsibility so mm. i totally can see that but with him questioning things the way he is it makes me wonder if he's maybe subconsciously thinking where did this all come from i haven't seen because later on we see him talk about where are all the other kids in westview we haven't seen any other cats and dogs either so where did this one come from correct so i'm not completely buying the they're too young argument maybe but regardless it's moot because the boys are like oh yeah you want us to be 10 all right let's do it yeah yeah and i think this is a clear clear example billy and tommy are now controlling this themselves yes absolutely i have to say good job on marvel for the continuity in these kids because the 10 year olds look like the five-year-olds yes especially more with billy Mm -hmm. well done there all right so we leave the hex now for a moment and head back to the sword base i love jimmy woo so much he's getting darcy her coffee yeah so does that mean he's now resigned from the fbi and is darcy's intern he would be a good intern, yes, absolutely. But he's still wearing his FBI vest everywhere, so... This is nope. true. He'd be the world's greatest intern. He's such an eager beaver. <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, does this guy sleep? Hence the coffee. Yeah. So they're trying to figure all this out. Interesting note, this is the only time in this episode we see daylight outside. You're right. There is a little bit of daylight. Right. This is the only time and the only other time we've seen daylight was in the previous episode when Darcy came in for the first time. Besides that, it's always been nighttime. Right. So Darcy and Monica are trying to figure this out together. And this seems to have gone under the radar. But Monica just drops here. You know, I know an aerospace engineer who might get a kick out of this. Yeah, who might be able to solve their problem of a fallout shelter. All right, uh, hold on. Let me let me get my hat back here. Hold on. There we go. <laughs> All right, putting it back on. Okay. All right, so Amy and I were trying to figure this one out, thinking about who would qualify for this, who is an aerospace engineer or who could be considered one. Tony's dead. Rhodey's not really an engineer. This doesn't really fall within Bruce Banner's purview. And... It mm-hmm. was you, my dear, who was like, oh, Reed Richards just happens to be an aerospace engineer. Yes, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic. Indeed. Now, in the comics, Reed Richards and Agatha Harkness knew each other. Mm-hmm. Reed Richards hired her to nanny his son. And she actually saved Reed Richards' life at one point. Now, here we go. Reed Richards' son was named Franklin. The agent who went into Westview and became the beekeeper was named Agent Franklin. (laughs) First off, Reed. (laughs) Okay. So you think Agent Franklin, who seems to have disappeared so far, is Mr. Richards' son? No, I just think they're using the name to make a connection. Okay. No, because that would mean Reed Richards would have to be way too old. Yeah, true. And we do know so far that 
there is a Fantastic Four movie coming. Is this a way of introducing one of the characters? It could be. She does. We do see her sending a text. Yeah. Maybe he shows up at the end. And there are a lot of hints about some major cameo coming in. Elizabeth Olsen did say that at the end of this show, there is going to be a Luke Skywalker-esque cameo, like the Mandalorian. Yes, and one of our favorite people uh, in the world brought that to my attention this week. Damn you, Charles. I said it before, and I'll say it again. You've given me hope that Nathan Fillion will end up in the MCU. I've been praying for that for years. I'm pretty sure Nathan Fillion has too, because he's one of the biggest nerds in Hollywood. Oh, I would love that. Yes. And now it's in my head. And if it doesn't happen, you know what? Forget Kevin Foggy, Charles. I'm sending my therapy bills to you, sir. (laughs) So here again, we see Monica just desperately wanting to get back into Westview. And I can't help but wonder why. She could be wanting to help from the inside, trying to make Wanda stop doing this. She feels like she has a connection with her. It's it's pretty obvious later on. Yeah. I just can't trust her right now because there's so much we don't know. And I think she's hiding a lot. Well, yeah, we've hardly seen her. We know nothing about her except that she's uh, Maria's daughter. That's it. Speaking of Maria, Jimmy Woo, Darcy and Monica have a very interesting conversation about Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And Monica wants no part of that. Yeah, something's up there. So I think it's one of two things. I don't know, maybe a combination of both. Does it have something to do with Monica's powers? Or is there resentment bitterness towards carol for something relating to maria's cancer maybe i think there is certainly some kind of resentment or bitterness there whether it's related to the cancer or it's the fact that that carol wasn't there when maria was sick maybe that could be oh what if you know what no no i took the hat off the hat's staying off nope i'm not putting the hat back on (laughs) Okay, but we do know that Teona Paris will be joining Captain Marvel too. So hopefully we get some answers over that. Oh, I think we definitely will. And Monica also tells Darcy and Jimmy, because Jimmy is worrying about identifying these kids. She's like, no, no, no. Those boys are hers. Right. Everything you see is real. Yes, that's true. So she has realized that... Things are actually physically changing within Westworld. Westview. Because <laughs> <laughs> we need to bring another show into this. Oh, that's an equally mindfuck show. Yes. So this is when Monica gets the idea to go test her clothing from Westview. Right. And she is indeed right. The clothes Wanda did alter the reality of the clothes, but kept a basic foundation because those clothes are made of Kevlar, just like the vest she was wearing when she went in. Yes. So she has not changed the properties of the material. She has made cosmetic changes. Correct. Now take a minute here to pat yourself on the back. Yes. Thank you. You deserve it. Go ahead. I was right about the pendant and all the rationalization, recreation of stuff. So once this series 
confirmed, Monica says, all right, you know what we do then? We're going to send in something that doesn't need altering. Now, when they go into the lab, Jimmy Wu sees this outfit on the wall and he's a little surprised by it. And he says, Jeepers Creepers. Yes. Now, since the last person I heard say Jeepers Creepers was Velma when the gang was in the mystery machine, I'm going to say that was a deliberate choice. Probably. I can't say anything for it. And I think you need to put your tinfoil hat back on because you've gone on quite the tangent with this particular phrase. Oh, I most certainly have not. Don't you dare. No, this is not the thing that's ridiculous of all the things that I'm saying. Really? No. One of the things. So Jeepers Creepers, there's two things here. One, it was a shitty movie made in 2001. It is a horror movie. It is about a brother and sister who are on the run from a demon. Really? You think that's ridiculous given the way this show ends? Given everything we know so far? You think I'm insane for that? I was referring to the other part. Okay. Oh, you doubt me, do you? All right, then. Jeepers Creepers (laughs) is also a really fucking creepy song from the olden days, which I am going to read the lyrics to out loud right now. For all to hear how wrong you are. Before you do that, I'm going to be taking my headphones off right now. (laughs) Don't you dare. Since it is a really weird song. (laughs) Just text me when you're done. I don't care what the weatherman says. When the weatherman says it's raining, you'll never hear me complaining. I'm certain the sun will shine. I don't care how the weather vane points when the weather vane points to gloomy. It's got to be sunny to me. When your eyes look into mine, Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those eyes? Gosh all, get up. How'd they get so lit up? Gosh all, get up. How'd they get that size? Golly gee, when you turn those heaters on, woe is me, gotta put my cheaters on. Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Oh, those weepers, how they hypnotize. Where'd you get those eyes? Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of my co-host, I want to apologize. I tried to stop her, but I couldn't. I'm sorry. Anyway, you can't deny that we've been talking a lot about the weather, haven't we? A lot about the sun, about night and day. And in this episode, we see Wanda's eyes turn red. And that they always did. But this is the first time we see that in this show. And we're talking in this song about hypnotizing people. Mm -hmm. So don't tell me there's no connection missing. I think it's a bit of a stretch. And that being said, what the fuck do I know? Anything could go. (laughs) I am tired. If I agree with you, can we please stop? (laughs) (laughs) At this point, I feel like the hostage. You got me into this. You started it. (laughs) I will always come back to it. This show was your idea. Yes, and I'm regretting it every day. (laughs) So we leave the lab and we head back over to Westview, uh, more specifically computational services where Vision is still employed. Yes. And he's the one leading the charge of bringing this office into the computer age. He is. And Norm, I'm a man. I appreciate the TMNT reference. Cowabunga to you too, dude. (laughs) So when the computer switched on, they get an email. 
a rather interesting one. Yeah, let me tell you, my husband and I went a few rounds about this one yesterday. Okay. Mr. Cyber, thinking he knows everything. <laughs> so he was arguing that whatever, it's just an email sent by somebody from the outside, whatever, no big deal. I'm like, no, because it just appears when he turns on the damn computer. It just appears. Yeah. Okay. My question to you is, why does your husband always seem to sound like one of those surfer bro dudes? This is my my Wanda cut version of what I imagine in my head he sounds like when he's being a moron. <laughs> no, your husband, I think, is partially right because the email just doesn't appear. It does show up in their inbox and Vision is the one who clicks and opens it. Damn it. We don't see that. They say that. Don't you dare tell him that. I'm sticking with my story. (laughs) (laughs) But it is certainly weird because there's no from address. There's no to address. And there are a whole lot of questions about how did they get it? Because it has to be sent to them. Right. So who sent it? Why did they get it? And why is it that when Vision has opened this email, everyone else is seeing it at the same time? And everyone else is saying it out loud together in unison, like they're chanting it? Yeah. Did this sound- It's a tad weird. Yeah, did this sound like something else we've seen before? For the children. Indeed. Although that was less creepy now in hindsight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. How naive we were when that was the creepiest thing of the episode. (laughs) This is very true. So yeah, there are a lot of questions about this. And initially, when I was watching the episode for the first time, I thought that this was what Monica was referring to, sending an email. And then we later on see that that she sent in a drone. And that's that's what my husband was saying too. He's like, oh, it's just somebody from the outside doing it. They're trying stuff. And I'm like, no, because we would see it. We would see them talking about it. We would see them mentioning it. Like this would be a major thing that they're trying, just like the radio. And the thing is that the email is not addressing anyone from Westview. It's addressing about Westview. Yeah, it's like a bulletin. Right. And this kind of stuff doesn't get... get mistakenly sent to someone else this stuff is like top secret yeah it's not like accidentally texting your boss pictures you were supposed to send to your boyfriend yeah and the next scene we get here really just had my mind spinning and i think it's very well done by both paul bettany and i do not know the actor's name but the guy playing norm is great here Mm -hmm. yeah this is very upsetting genuinely it is as we see Vision like blasts the computer with some energy and then uses that same yellow energy to momentarily release Norm from Wanda's control. Yeah, I don't think he was intending it to be momentarily. I think this was his way of trying to wake him up and then realizing that, oh, this was not what he was expecting. Yeah, so poor Norm is back to his normal self, freaking out worried about his family and he tells vision you have to stop her she's in my head none of it is my own make her stop yeah he sounds like he's physically in pain he does so there's one more thing about this scene that i noticed maybe i'm reaching i don't know maybe i'm just being too paranoid and i know that like regular norm 
wouldn't know Wanda's name, but I couldn't help but notice he only says her. She's in my head. Make her stop. He never uses Wanda's name. Right. That's something that I thought of too. And we are assuming that it's Wanda because Monica said that Wanda was in her head. Right. What if it isn't Wanda? What if it's someone else? Another her? Yeah. What if it's Agnes? What if it's Dottie? What if it's Dottie? What if it's Mephisto playing a woman's voice? Could be. Yeah, we need to know what Dottie was up to this episode for sure. (laughs) Now, here's my question. Because then we see Vision turn him back onto sitcom. Right. This power that Vision is using here, is this an indication that he actually somehow does have the Mind Stone in him again? Gotcha, didn't I? I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to the end game timeline, which is a little confusing with the whole time travel thing. The Mind Stone was in <sighs> Loki Scepter. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> yeah. I win. I win. I win. So, based on Endgame, we know that the Mind Stone was taken from Loki's scepter when Cap fought himself. And then he went and put it back. So then that continued the timeline of the rest of the MCU, Vision being born, Ultron, yada, 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 and Infinity War happening. So my question is, should Endgame be all that matters? Or are we dealing with multiple timelines here or multiple universes where somebody's gotten a hold of the Mind Stone again? I wouldn't be surprised if we're dealing with multiple universes, but within... Within this particular timeline and this universe, Endgame doesn't matter because, because Cap went and put the stones back in their original place so that the timeline could, could continue and Infinity War would happen, the snap would happen, so that they could go into Endgame and do this whole cycle again. Because if he wouldn't have put it in their respective places again, the timeline would have shifted. Okay. That is what the Ancient One had had told us in Endgame. My sociology degree did not prepare me for the MCU. <laughs> I need to pull the Darcy, change my major, and start over. Yeah, and my commerce degree is, is doing me wonders right now. <laughs> you know, you bring up a good point. It's possible we do know Multiverse of Madness happening. Maybe from another universe, Vision has the Mind Stone. Could be. What if this is Vision from another universe? What if the body of Vision that Wanda took was not brought back to life? What if this is Vision from another universe whose memories have been scrubbed? God damn it. What did we say? (sighs) I'm sorry. God damn it. (laughs) It's possible. And I think the ending of this episode makes it even more possible. Yeah. So we leave Vision at work for the moment and we head back to the house with Wanda and the boys and the most adorable dog in the world. He's doing his little tricks. Sparky. Being a good boy. too soon. No, no. Don't you give the same eulogy to a dog that you gave to me. (laughs) You jerk. (laughs) I knew that would get you. (laughs) In his case, it's true. Yeah. Yes. Hey! (laughs) 
we're going to have a serious conversation after this, Missy. Tomorrow. I'm tired today. <laughs> so they're on the couch. And, you know, I think they did a smart thing with this episode because we see the title when we watch it on Disney Plus as on a very special episode. And it it makes sense because... That's how they would market these 80s and 90s sitcom episodes when something serious would happen in it. On a very special episode of Family Ties, you'll want the whole family around the TV for this one. So the kids are wondering, where's Vision gone? And Wanda tells them that he's gone to work. The kids are a bit confused because it's Saturday. But Wanda tries to tell them, no, it's Monday. And they are aware and they push back and say no it's Saturday that's when she changes her tactics and tells them that Vision had to go to work because mommy and daddy are having some sort of disagreement now my question is is she just trying to snow the boys is she trying to just lie to them or does she really not know what day it is and is just throwing spaghetti at the wall like we are I don't know because earlier it seems she does a similar thing with Vision pretending to not know what's happening when he's confronting her about Agnes. Yeah. And it makes sense for her to say, oh, it's Monday, and for someone else to have played along, even the kids to have played along, because in sitcoms, we don't know what day of the week it is. It's very true. But the kids do, and they're not playing along. That's, again, another clue that she can't control them. It's Vision and the kids she cannot control. Yes. And she can pile on her bullshit to anyone else but not these three yeah and she's trying to instill upon them the importance of family family is forever yeah and one of the boys says do you have a brother mom yeah i think it's very interesting the way she reacts not only what she says but the way she says it when we've seen in the past saw on a previous episode geraldine challenge her about pietro and she got pissed Correct. But with the with the boys, she has an entirely different reaction. Yeah, because in that episode, Wanda volunteered the information that she had a twin. When Geraldine said that he was killed by Ultron, that's when she got pissed. I'm more concerned or interested in the fact that this kid asked specifically about a brother. Why not a sibling? Why not a sister? Or family? That's a good point. That is a good point. You could chalk it up to just the way kids talk. He's just parroting her because she's talking about them being brothers. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting to note that she doesn't get super upset here. She also doesn't acknowledge Pietro as dead. She just says that he's far away. Right. Is that her trying to protect her children from death? Or herself. Or herself. I have no idea. Or is this the seed that is planted to bring Pietro back? Oh, that might be. That could be. Okay, so we leave Westview again. We head back out to the hex. So then Sparky gets a little agitated, runs over to the door, and something out there is scaring him. Right. I get the sense Wanda knew exactly what was out there. Well, if she's in control, she would know that something has come in. Yeah. and. They head out there, and now the rest of this episode is going to be intercut inside and outside. Right. And Darcy recognizes here that the drone itself is being cut out of the broadcast. 
And she is dead. Correct. She's dead certain in her mind that Wanda is the one making all of these cuts, doing the editing. Right. And we do see in those TVs in the background that we have a close up of Wanda looking up in the sky, but we don't see the drone itself. Yeah. Interestingly, when Monica is trying to communicate with her, we hear Monica speaking on the outside in the real world, but we don't actually hear anything within Westview. Yes, I noticed that and I thought I was crazy. I'm like, no, you're reaching here, Krista. This is nothing. But yeah. Well, you are crazy, but not <laughs> about this. <laughs> when did you just become the ultimate decider of what's crazy? <laughs> Since I met you? Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I just don't think I'm I can't agree with Darcy here. I don't think Wanda is the one doing all this editing. I don't think Wanda knows there's a show. She is editing. We don't I don't know <sighs> if she's editing everything, but she's certainly making cuts and edits. We've seen it happen. Does she know she's doing that, though? Yes, she is. I don't know. I don't know. She, The beekeeper, that's the proof. No. And then rewind. Damn it. I can't keep all the episodes together. I can't do it. <laughs> and Vision also says this later on, that should we go watch TV or go to bed so that you can change everything again? She is doing it. She is editing. Is she editing everything? I don't know. But she's definitely editing. So Monica's at the controls of this old drone. She's talking to Wanda, but it's not going well. Trying to. Yeah, it's not going well. Yeah. Wanda's eyes turn red at this point. Yeah, she's seeing red. Yes. And <laughs> I noticed something here. You were not thrilled when I pointed this out yesterday because it made your head hurt. Director Hayward in uh, HQ there, when he sees that it doesn't work, he says, no joy. Right. And when he said that, I said, uh-uh, nope. You're not who you say you are because no American uses that phrase. Well, I've heard this phrase before, but I've not thought about whether it's only non-Americans who say it. I, that is a, I don't know. That is a British it phrase. That is a phrase I have only heard on British television, and I've watched enough of it. Okay. I have seen Olivia Coleman say this on no less than three shows. <laughs> <laughs> and others. Is it maybe not just like a military kind of thing? Definitely not. Okay. All right. He, if, if you're looking for a military type of thing, especially with the kind of man he seems to be, he would definitely be more likely to say something like, oh, it's gone foobar. Something like that. Oh, he's definitely not that. He's not General Ross. Although he's about as incompetent as him, sure, yes. but not. But if you were going for a military take, that's what I mean. You'd hear mm. something more along the lines of that. I don't think he's who he appears to be. I don't trust him. But I can't imagine who it might be in his place. Because the scrolls are aliens. They are trained to, you know, blend in in particular ways, they're not British, that, that something like that would slip. The only British shapeshifter in the MCU 
is only the actor playing said shapeshifter. And no matter how British he may be in real life, it doesn't translate to making the alien he plays also British, regardless of the accent. So I don't know what to make of this. Hold on. Who are you speaking of? Talking about Loki. It was fairly obvious. This is me we're talking about. Are you that tired? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. All roads do lead to Loki. You brought it up first. And this, I talked to you about this yesterday. About Loki? No. No, saying who are the Brits? Because yes, there are British actors in the MCU, but they're the characters. Like, who, who could this possibly be? Yeah, yeah. I told you about Blonsky and Peggy. Right. That's it. Yeah, and those don't work. But then I thought, wait, there is somebody who could work. Somebody who, though, does speak with an American accent, was kind of raised in Britain who could pull this off. And that's Mystique. Hmm. So you're thinking that there is a bigger crossover happening that we are unaware of? Maybe. Okay. I'm not saying I'm hoping for that. Full disclosure, I am not a fan of Jennifer Lawrence. I'm not a fan of Mystique, the character. So I'm definitely not hoping this happens. But it's the only thing I can think of. Well, to be fair, if Jennifer Lawrence was joining the MCU, it would have been big news by now. This is true. So this might just be nonsense on my part. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure about this because for me, the, the, the phrase didn't stick out. But see, now you're making me think of theories. If it is a scroll, we don't know who that scroll may be. That scroll may have been impersonating a British official for a while and then now has had to come in and take over as Director Hayward. So this could have been a slip up on their part. Maybe. So this brings up another theory of why is the scroll impersonating Director Hayward? Yeah. To what end? Is this the same thing? Are they trying to, are they infiltrating swords so that they can find another planet to live on? And that's why they want the Vision clones in order to go find another planet? Man, we are way out there in left field today, aren't we? <laughs> We're out there in fucking Kevin Costner's cornfield. That's where we are. <laughs> I don't think this is true, but if you bring stuff up, I have to think of some some kind of answers. I have a problem. Well, luckily, there is one thing in this episode that I am 1000% sure of. Which is? Wanda Maximoff coming through this portal with the drone that Monica didn't know was armed. Okay, that Hayward lied about. Yes. Wanda storming out of that portal, throwing that throwing that drone at them was one of the most badass goddamn things I've ever seen. Yes, 100%. Holy shit. And I love the fact that she changed back into her costume. She looked amazing. Yes, she did. I loved every second of Elizabeth Olsen outside of that hex. Absolutely. I loved every moment of her inside as well. She is absolutely brilliant. And that costume wasn't the only thing that was back. The accent was too. Indeed. Now my question to you. Why do you think Wanda didn't communicate? Was it because she didn't want anyone to communicate or because she realized that the drone was armed? And that's how she got so pissed off and threw it out. I think 
the latter probably because they were also endangering her children. Yeah. She is a mama bear now. Yep. And she lets them know, stay out of my home. Now, did you notice Wanda identified Hayward as the director, called him director? Yes, which makes sense because she did storm sword after all. She would know who's in charge. For all you know, she found out that he was the one who was ordering Vision being dissected in the first place. Okay, that's fair. And that could be why she seems to make this exchange with him personal. It came off that way to me. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed personal to a certain extent. And Monica is desperate to get through to Wanda at this point, desperate to help her and trying to bargain with her and says, what do you want? Yeah, she's trying to de-escalate the situation. Yes, that's a good word for it. And Wanda just looks at her like she has three heads, like, don't you get it? I have what I want and no one will ever take it from me again. Yeah, but Monica is still trying to push, trying to gain Wanda's trust. So then, in a crazy show of power, Wanda turns all the agents on Hayward. Yeah, that was fantastic. Oh my god, we get this incredible musical cue and this display of red as Wanda just swaggers back into the hex. Yeah. I think it's important to note that she could have had these guys shoot the director to smithereens, Mm -hmm. but she didn't. Right. She mind controlled them to point at him. And just before she changed the energy field, she dropped that mind control on these guys and walked in. Yeah. And I. And that red. Amazing. I think that was absolutely meant as a warning. Look what I can do. Yes. You are, yeah, you are alive exactly. because I allowed you to live. Correct. And I just thought to myself, good luck taking her down, guys. Really. <laughs> you're going to need it. I don't see it happening. Yeah. It, that's, that's a challenge. And not only that, but we see clearly now Wanda is not in her right mind. She's willing to take this whole town hostage and put these people in pain. But goddamn, after that display, it's really hard not to root for her. <laughs> Yeah, I really don't want her to be the big bad. As fun as it, w- as it would be to see Elizabeth Olsen just going batshit crazy and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, I really like her and I want her to stay on the positive side <laughs> and not be killed. Well, we'll see. So after that, we get another commercial. Now, before that... What do you think she did to that force field that made it all go red? I have no idea. I think she reinforced it to ensure that no pesky drones come in. Or anyone else, for that matter. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the end of the episode. Because hmm. I have a theory there. Okay. That might be completely blown away by a different theory. So, who knows? <laughs> okay, yeah. Then we get our standard commercial of the episode. Yes. Lagos paper towels. (laughs) For when you make a mess, you didn't mean to. Yeah. So that's what I was coming to about my theory about the advertisements. All of them are in chronological order based on important life events that happened with or to Wanda. We have the toaster, which 
we've established sounds exactly like a bomb about to go off, but it doesn't. And that's something that uh, Pietro and Wanda speak about, that it was a stark bomb that had landed in the house that had never exploded. Right. And hence the stark toaster. In episode two, we have the Strucker watch, which is obviously about one Strucker who experimented on them. Right. Episode three, we have the soap, the Hydra soap. Again, it's the Tesseract, or you can say it's the same color as as the Mind Stone as it was in Loki's Scepter, which was blue. I don't know. You kind of lose me on that one. I feel like that's the stretch. Okay, fair enough. But the Lagos one definitely is, again, another chronological event. Yes, that I agree. That it's it's about as obvious as it gets for when you make a mess when you didn't mean to. It's It couldn't be more obvious. Agreed. But the commercial itself, so still the same couple. Right. I couldn't help but notice that the husband's drink, beer, I don't know what he has. It's a goldish color. Yeah, it looks like a beer. But the kids spill a red liquid. Yeah, that was very apparent. Yes, because the kids are reality. That's them telling us Billy and Tommy are real. Is it that or is it a symbol for the fact that Wanda spilled a lot of blood accidentally in Lagos? Damn it. You are the worst. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It also could be a symbol, a symbolism of her, of her magic, which is scarlet and, you know, which is red. Ah, that one will be haunting us all week. So now we go. Haunting you. Now we go back inside the hex where we can't find Sparky. Yes. The kids and Wanda are desperately looking for him. Who the fuck is this mailman i don't know your guess is as good as mine i suppose (sighs) all right funny trope mailman dogs haha we get it first watch i didn't think too much about this but second watch i really freaked out why he says to the boys not to worry about sparky because your mom won't let him get far exactly he seems to be aware too and Earlier on in the episode, when Vision is reading the email and everyone is laughing about it, Norm tells Vision, ha ha, funny, funny, it's not real. Yeah. None of this is real. Yeah. And Are they waking up? I don't know, but I will tell you this. I can forgive Wanda for killing some people. I can forgive her for taking an entire town hostage and causing people excruciating pain. But if she killed Sparky, that is a step too far. Well, it's good to know where your priorities lie. Damn right. One dog versus a town (laughs) full of people in perpetual suffering. Sparky was a good boy. Mm. He was an innocent. Oh, as opposed to everyone else in the town? Yes. Dogs are pure. That's my stand. (laughs) You know by now I always care about the dog first. I don't care if people get murdered. Don't hurt the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the three of them are walking through the neighborhood and they come to maybe Agnes's house or it's just a bush she's standing next to. I don't know at this point. I don't know where anyone lives or where anyone exists. 
<laughs> yeah, geographically, if she's staying that far away from where they are walking to from, she wouldn't have been able to see the dog from her window. Yeah. So. So we see Agnes carrying a bundle and we realize very quickly that that is Sparky because he ate too many azalea leaves. And as we know that that is toxic for that's that's poisonous for dogs. And she is broken up about this. Yeah. And let me tell you guys, this was a rough one for me to watch three times. I was blubbering like a baby the first time because we had to put one of our babies to sleep back in October. And she was also a little terrier mix. So, ooh, man, this mm-hmm. this one hit right in the gut. Yeah. God damn you, Disney. We're killing dogs now. This is what we're doing. <laughs> this is what freaked me out the most because nothing's off the table now that we're killing Sparky. Yep, true. So this sparks a very important conversation between the kids and Wanda. Oh, yes. Oh, if there has ever been... <laughs> I don't think the pot and the kettle have ever been blacker than in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, she is being very hypocritical about it. She doesn't want them to age up so that they can avoid the pain. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Yes, she is undoubtedly being hypocritical because she's doing all this to avoid her own grief. Yes. But she's also being a really good mom. Yes, she is. I can't deny that. Because this is exactly what you do want to teach your children. Sometimes kids do need to learn hard lessons, and this is one of them. You know? She's not going yeah. she could have gone pet cemetery on this. You know, it's the 80s. She could have gone that route. But no, she's being responsible and not burying a dead dog in a graveyard hoping it'll come back to life all rotten the next day. Well, the kids do kind of want her to bring it back to back to life. But I had a question before that. Okay. She encourages them not to age up so that they don't run away from this pain. Now, the question is, when they're aging up, are they aging up along with memories of the equal amount of years, along with emotional maturity as well? I was thinking that too, because everything seems instant. So wouldn't it just feel like it just happened, even though they're older? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And also, how do they know Wanda can fix this? Or why do they think Wanda can fix this? Exactly. They've known their mom for like 10 minutes. (laughs) Precisely. And it was the way, I think it's Tommy. It was the way Tommy said it. You can fix anything, mom. Fix dead. Yeah. That's a weird thing to say. Yes. Combine that with the specific question about a brother. Uh Uh-huh. There's something fishy going on here. Then we have Agnes who's like, you can do that? Yeah, she seems genuinely surprised. She also seems genuinely upset. Yeah, she's upset about the dog, presumably. I think so. I don't know. Is she good? Is she evil? Did she kill Sparky? I don't know, because we only have it on Agnes's word that he ate a bunch of azalea leaves, and that's how he died. Yeah. Yeah. And even if he did, even if that is how he died, did Sparky do it himself, knowingly? Was this some kind of, like, sentient dog who was actively trying to kill himself, like with the outlet? Yeah, and is it Mephisto in animal form, purposely doing it, pretending to kill himself, so that Wanda would try to bring him back for the kids. But she's the one fighting it. It's And the question is why? 
give her the kids if you're clearly trying to manipulate her with the kids, but then she's fighting it by being a good mother. It all, there's just contradiction on top of contradiction. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, he probably didn't expect her to be a good mom and not bring the dog back. He probably expected her to do the same thing as she's doing for herself. She brought Vision back for her own to alleviate her own grief, she would want to do that for her own kids. Good point. Good point. Okay. And if we think Agnes is Agatha Harkness and at least in league with Mephisto, somehow it would make sense that she'd be in on this. And it would make sense that she'd be upset about this because she doesn't actually want to cause the boy's pain. Or is it an act? God damn it, Catherine Hahn. Why you got to be so good at your job? <laughs> And I'm convinced that the brooch has something to do with her being awake and aware and not freaking the fuck out. It could be some kind of immunity. Yeah. It could be. I think she was planted there in Westview before Westview became the sitcom. She's not actually a Westview resident. So that's when Vision shows up sees what happens and his first instinct is to you know hug his boys which makes sense absolutely yeah and then we head into the kitchen and shit gets serious oh this is interesting this is fun these two are just electric yes they are oh. the tension is palpable yeah it felt like a real fight it really did they are yeah. so believable as a couple. And Vision is just pushing back on her. Like, I know what you're doing. I talk to Norm, the real Norm. Right. And he says to her, you can't control me the way you do them. And her reaction is priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Including the head tilt. Uh-huh. Can't I? Yeah. What defiance. What a show of exactly. power that little moment is. And then as if that's not enough, she's like, fuck it, we're done here. I'm going to roll credits on your ass. Yes, and he is pushing back. That was so jarring, having this sitcom music and credits rolling as these two people who are completely disconnected from it are having this full-on, incredibly intense fight. Yeah, and as she walks out, the credits are still rolling, but as soon as Vision walks out into the living room, the credits stop. Uh -huh. He pushed through to stop that from happening. He did. And he goes back to his normal self, too. Correct. And he is just so pissed at her because she refuses to even acknowledge that she's doing this. Yeah. Why do you think she's doing that? Put it this way. I think Vision is more upset with her for not acknowledging what she's doing, for not being forthright about what she's doing, than for actually doing the mind controlling. Because I, I think there's a part of him that can forgive her for that, who loves her and knows she's in pain. The fact that she refuses to even admit it to him, to come clean, is what's driving him insane. Yeah, and I think the fact that she's trying to manipulate him is also pissing yes. him off. Yeah, she says to him, all of this is for us, so let me handle it. Yep. And he loses his he shit. does. And at this point, we realize it's not just anger and fear with him. He's terrified. Yeah, That he was is. heartbreaking when he looks at her and says, I don't know who I am. 
I'm scared. Yeah. If you look at this fight, we can see the escalation happening and we can see the physical escalation with them going up, you know, floating in the air. And when he says that, I'm scared, she goes down. Yeah. That is her backing down. Because after that, the tone, her tone changes. They come down, they go to the couch and she admits to him, I don't know how this started. That was the beginning of a conversation that they were going to have. And, you know, Vision is pointing all these things out, that there are no other kids in Westview, like this is wrong. And it is starting to sink in for her. And that's when the doorbell rings. Yeah, I don't think it's so much as sinking in for her as so much as she's willing to admit it. Yeah. And when she says she's not making the doorbell ring, I believe her. Yeah, me too. I don't think she. this is her doing. I think right. that Pietro showing up at this door is either a distraction or further incentive somehow to keep her in Westview. I think it's a mix of both. I think it's a distraction from their conversation and her finally admitting to Vision what's going on. Because once she does that, we know that Vision will convince her to stop. Yes, you're absolutely right. So not only it is a distraction, but it is a manipulation to ensure that she tells everyone, fuck off, I got my brother back too. But there's a problem with that theory. Mm -hmm. If that was the case. Okay, let's just let's just open up the can of worms. So it is Pietro at the door, but it's. Not Aaron Taylor Johnson. It is Evan Peters from the Fox X-Men universe. Correct. Can we, before we dive into what all this could mean, could we also, can we talk about um, Wanda's face when she opens that door? Shock? Disbelief? (sighs) The question is why? Because by all rights, she should not recognize this person. This should just be some guy to her. Yes, that is Pietro Maximoff, but that is not her brother. Right. So if we go with the theory that Mephisto or some other big bad is using him to manipulate her, keep her in Westview, whatever, manipulate her, wouldn't they come in the guise of her actual brother? Well... As for what Monica says, everything in Westview is real. Right. Mephisto would not have been able to bring MCU Pietro back because he's long dead. Unless they decide to bring a a skeleton back. No, that's not my point. Mephisto is a shapeshifter. I'm saying, what if Mephisto is taking the form of Pietro? Okay, he could have taken the form of MCU Pietro. But the fact that she recognized him means that there's some mind fuckery going on but with did her she? as well. Did she recognize him? She doesn't call him by name until after he says, oh, can I give my sister a hug? Correct. It is a manipulation going yeah. on. And also, is he aware of it? I don't know. And also, in X-Men universe, he's Peter. He's not yeah. Pietro. Yeah. And just... Just to be sure of this, my husband and I put on X-Men Days of Future Past last night. 
And yeah, he's definitely Peter. He was adopted by American parents. Like for those who who haven't necessarily seen the X-Men movies, there is no Wanda. Correct. So who should be more surprised at this moment? Yeah. And secondly, when she says Pietro, as you know, she's asking him or whatever it may be, he doesn't say yes. He shrugs. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Okay. Obviously, in the real world, logic, contractual things, Marvel has to figure out a way to get the X-Men into the MCU because for years they were owned by Fox and there was all these issues, blah, blah, blah. But how the hell are they going to reconcile this in MCU world? Because let's say, okay, there's a multiverse. They pull them out of the X-Men universe and into this universe. Okay. But the X-Men universe only exists in our world. No, 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 no. In Marvel Comics itself, we have different versions of Earth. The most prominent one is Earth 616. Okay, but... That's where most of the stuff happens. But there are different universes with different versions of superheroes. We saw that in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. True, true. But these are the same characters. So could they be completely different people? Yes. Ah, I'm broken. I'm broken. (laughs) It makes sense. And it makes sense for for Mephisto to bring someone else in from that universe to this universe because that creates more friction more craziness to break the walls between the universes and i think it's interesting that wanda initiates the hug it would make sense for her to do that because she just met her brother it's not her brother there's some mind fuckery going on and does it not seem that this guy pietro or peter whatever we call him doesn't seem exactly overjoyed to see her. He's he's smiling, he's saying the lines, but his eyes are dead. It's very sitcom too. Yeah, he's he's playing a part. Does he know that he is not her brother and he's supposed to play the part he's been told to? I mean, but it's weird because like technically he is? Technically he is, but since it's a different person, Wanda would have been a different person in X-Men universe. Well, it is somewhat comforting to know that Darcy Lewis feels the same way we do. Just staring at the screen, she recast Pietro? Yeah, this isn't a roadie situation. No, definitely not. He's here. Deal with it. (laughs) So I couldn't help but notice that Pietro showing up coincides with we get back outside the hex to the sword base and alarms are blaring. Is this because he breached the hex? If we go by the theory that he was brought in from another universe, he had to get in there somehow. But Correct. the theory falls apart if that's Mephisto shape-shifting and he was already there. Hmm. And also, so far, generally, anytime there's been a breach, it has been when something has come out, not when something has gone in. Yeah. Plus, Wanda, assuming Wanda has reinforced the barrier, to ensure that nothing can come in. So what is the alarm? Something has come out? Are we going to find out in the next episode? Oh, maybe it's the beekeeper. That would be interesting. Well, everyone, if you're still here with us, congratulations. Your brains are also goo, but thanks for sticking it out. (laughs) 
Yes, we do appreciate it. After all, misery does love company. Indeed. So before we sign off, we have some people that we want to mention. At Mega Docker, it was really nice talking with you about all the Mephisto possibilities. And thank you for introducing me to Mojo. Ian, you're totally right. Someone should have called the Pims. They would appreciate the old sitcoms more than anyone too. At DJ Black 357, we're really glad that we've been able to bring you some joy over the past year and, and help you get through quarantine and all that. So the next time you sit down for a nice Taylor ham, egg and cheese on an everything bagel, you let me know so I can eat it vicariously with you. What's a Taylor ham? <laughs> it's Did a Jersey Ta- thing. You're not invited. <laughs> okay. Did Taylor Swift come up with a new ham? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Moving on. Bia. Thanks for pointing out the connection between Reed Richards and Agatha. We dove deeper into this after you mentioned it. Cat, I think you and I should contact the lady who made Bernie Sanders his mittens to see if she could make Paul Bettany some special pants. <laughs> Roska, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Thanks for chatting with us about Agnes. And it was nice to know we weren't the only ones who thought Wanda's exchange with Hayward was fishy. At I Model on the Weekend, we are in agreement on Agnes. And thanks to you, I have realized what my official designation is as an 85-year-old in a 33-year-old body. I will now be identifying as an elderly millennial. Oh my god, why haven't I thought about that before? <laughs> that is fantastic. Agreed. Rio, thanks so much for the love. And we are completely exhausted right now discussing this episode, but we are still not quite satisfied we have a lot of questions and if you have some questions or theories you can find us on twitter or instagram at marvel madams thanks to all you madams for joining us today i'm madam chris and i'm madam mamie join us next week for episode six of wandavision and right now i just hope we can record it in under four hours If you enjoy listening to us, sign up on our website to get an exclusive behind-the-scenes episode. And every two weeks, we'll send you bonus content that we save just for our VIPs. Visit themarvelousmadams.com where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. Marvel is stealing my life force. You know, maybe that's the trick. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe Kevin Feige is actually... Oh, now I know. No, this is what WandaVision is. This is what Foggy's doing to us. Remember in, in that terrible fucking movie, Batman Forever, when Edward Dingba, mm-hmm. the Riddler, he's, he's got that, that box thing that looks like a blender that he's like sucking everybody's brain out of with. Mm-hmm. And that's what Foggy's doing with us. That's what these WandaVision commercials are. See, they're actually sucking our brains out of our heads. What, what he's doing with it, I don't know. But, but that's, that's, that's what's going on. You need to sleep. <laughs> And breathe and, and, and stop. I am banning you from the internet. I gotta do Twitter. Twitter's doing this to me.